Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Sergeant Joe Cardi from Peel Regional Police. And today's podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. We have a special guest today from, not from one of our members of our police service, but from Animal, Mississauga Animal Service. And it's um, this man that has a wealth of knowledge. I'm looking forward to talking to him. He's Paro Mohan Rajan. Did I pronounce that right? That That is right. <laughs> okay. And the reason why we have you here, because you look at Mississauga Animal Service, and it does so much from a combination of animal investigations, the care of animals, obviously educating the public. They also, when you think of, when I think of animal services, they control abandoned, unintended animals. They investigate them, or I guess the abuse of pets. They determine if someone's pet's dangerous. They determine wild life out there. Animal control officers, in my view, they maintain public safety, I guess by enforcing the laws, by enforcing the animal licensing, uh, license laws. I know we have to have in our region, our animals have to have uh, be licensed. And I, I guess working as an animal, I, I don't know how to say this, it's challenging, it's rewarding, and it requires all kinds of, I guess, knowledge to get this from, because you're doing dealing from pets to wildlife. Am I, am I good on this? Um, you got every point down. Okay, so before we get started, why don't you tell me about yourself? Um, so my name is uh, Paro or Parathen uh, Mohanarajan. I'm uh, one of two public education officers for animal services here in Mississauga. I've, I've been a public education officer since um, late 2018. And before that, I was actually an animal services field officer. So I was on the road attending calls um, and just doing a bunch of rescues on a regular basis. Um, but pr- previous to that, I was actually working for the OSPCA or the Ontario Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and, uh, where I was an animal control officer for uh, three years. So you've been in, right in the line of duty. You've been, you did it all, I guess. Exactly. And, um, and during that time, um, when I was at the, the OSPCA, I worked with um, York Regional Police for a bunch of calls. And now that I'm in Mississauga, I'm working with um, you fine people. Okay, question for you. Who's a better service, York or us? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, didn't want to put you in the hot seat, all right. So let's get started. I have you here for a reason because I think the public wants to know all about this. And let's start with animal control officers. What's their duties and responsibilities? Contrary to popular belief, we're not just playing with puppies all the time. We're not just um, interacting with um, baby animals of all uh, of all sorts. We, we do a lot of things. So we enforce the Animal Care and Control Bylaw of Mississauga, which is um, bylaw 0098-04 as amended. So that, those, those, that would include like off-leash stuff, um, dog bites, prohibited animals, um, number of animals. We also uh, enforce the uh, Dog Owners Liability Act, which is a provincial legislation which um, oversees uh, dangerous dogs, uh, prohibited pit bulls, and dog bites as well. So um, we do a lot of rescues on a daily day basis. We rescue, we deal with um, both wildlife and domestic type of animals, um, including reptiles, um, deer. You covered and, it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we try we work with the community on a lot of different uh, levels. We work with field police for calls. We work with the Ministry of Natural Resources. We work with counselors. We we work with a variety of different stakeholders to um, accomplish our goals for for the community. When. I, I was an officer, I work with you guys quite a bit, and I know the, the member of the public, they call, they call us, they call you guys. When should a member of the public call you guys, Mississauga Animal Services, or 911? 
what I would say to people to when they want to uh, call animal services, they should call animal services when they have any concerns about sick or injured animals, animals posing a threat to the public. That would be like a coyote in a playground when there's children present um, or like any sort of bylaw concern. So uh, people feeding wildlife, off-leash dogs, that's when you want to call animal services. For anything more immediate, that's when you should call police. So, so like if a person's or pet's life is at risk, at uh, risk. That's when you call police. Exactly, exactly. If you are in immediate danger, um, like even with a coyote situation, if you feel like your your safety is at um, at immediate risk, contact police right away, and then they can contact us as well, and then we can go um, tackle that issue. When when I get a lot of calls, I'm just thinking for when I'm thinking, trying to think of my brain wrapped around all these animal calls. I get so many. Well, not just me. Our service for dogs being locked in a hot car. Is that something? that um, happens often in our community? Unfortunately, animal services still continues to get calls about people leaving their dogs in their, in their cars, even during these extreme summer temperatures. It's, it's very unfortunate. I'm, I'm not too sure what compels people to do something like that, but um, I, what, I, what I've seen in um, uh, dealing with cases myself is p- are people go into the restaurants or go shopping, leave their, their animals in their, in their cars, thinking that it'll, it'll only be like 10, 15 minutes, but then two hours later, how, how, if a dog's locked into a car, windows up, how long could it survive in the car? It's going to be a few minutes before it gets very, very, very hot in there and it starts affecting their health. So, so it depends on the temperature. Exactly. So if it's a 30 degree day, they're not going to last 10, 15 minutes. They're full of fur. No, exactly. Exactly. And then the only way they can um, like release that heat from their bodies through their mouth or their panting or breathing. Okay. What is the most common call that you guys get? The, the most common call that I would say that animal services gets is our off-leash calls. because um, It happens all the time. People just will have their dogs off-leash for a variety of different reasons. They want to ex- they want to exercise their dog or they, they just like their dog being not being on leash. So unfortunately, that, that is a call that we get a lot, which is very preventable. So did they get mad when you get there and say, where's your leash for your dog? Exactly. Unfortunately, that does lead into um, more uh, escalated situations when we do speak to individuals with their dogs off-leash. I could see that happening. Um, what is the most preventable kind of call for a community? Like, how could we prevent future calls from happening? Um, so just like like I said, um, with the dogs being off leash, just keeping them on leash. Um, by keeping the dog on leash, it prevents... Um, it protects not only other dogs or other pets or other people, it also protects your dog from getting into any, any trouble. So um, even, like, we, we get calls about dogs um, going missing for, for days, weeks, and it all originates from an off-leash incident. They might go to, like, a, like let's say, like, the Lake Wabakane Trail, and they'll take their dog off-leash, and then for something, something might trigger their behavior, and then it, get, it just takes off. Um, even like a squirrel, like I know my, my little Pomeranian, if he's a squirrel, <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> so yeah, there, there are things like that. So that's why just keeping your dog on leash will prevent that type of situation. Plus, you know, plus um, we get all these reports about dogs running off into the bushes and getting into conflicts with other wildlife like raccoons, coyotes, foxes. Um, so just keeping them under control prevents those kind of situations. Yep, and also when they're off leash, I'm thinking of dog bites. Um, I know we yep. get called so much for that. I know you must get calls. I know we could charge people under the Dog Owners Liability Act, uh, which is basically the owner of the dog is liable for the damages resulting from a bite mm-hmm. by the dog to another person or even another animal. And um, and also in 2019, ask me if I'm, I think I'm right here, 2019, PAWS, which is our Provincial Act Welfare Service Act, 
No, mm. yeah, that's it. From 2019. And that gives us a lot of power to enforce some laws. Mm. Uh, before I get into the, the Pause Act, um, let's walk me through this. What does a member of the public do if you're bitten by a dog or your pet is bitten by a dog? I would say um, go get medical treatment as soon as possible yes, true. For, your, for, your, for yourself or your pet. Also, um, at the same time, if you can, just record down any information that, that, that is relevant to the situation. So like um, the, the, the subject dog that may have um, bitten, the owner information, if you can get it. Um, just recording that all at that, all at that time um, while it's happening, is, it will help in, in the later stages if it goes go down the court route. Um, when when the investigation is going through, um, you want to contact animal services. You want to um, usually with when a um, when you do go to the like a doctor or vet, they um, inform um, public health right away. So sometimes if they don't do it, we do it. Um, and then w- once we get all that information through a witness statement that you can actually get online, um, we can uh, proceed with an investigation to see to make a determination on what happened. So what happens next? Do the the owners of the a dog who bites someone, do they get charged? Um, depending on the situation and the, and the facts that are present in the, in the witness statements, we try to get witness statements from both the subject dog owner and the victim dog owner just to see um, uh, um, where the story leads. We try to get witness statements from other witnesses that are, might be available um, to make our determination. Um, we can definitely charge under the Dog Owners Liability Act, which is a provincial legislation. So, um, certain things that are um, stipulations in that act uh, it, um, order the dog owner to maybe get the dog muzzled, and that muzzle is uh, has to be on the dog anytime, anywhere in the province of Ontario. Um, we do have the same type of stipulation in our in our animal control bylaw for um, dog bites um, with having a muzzle on it. Um, but the with the issue with how, um, issuing a charge under the municipal charge would be the munis uh, sorry the muzzle would only be good in the in the borders of the city of Mississauga. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I know uh, police, we could charge under the same thing that you can. And also uh, the paws. I think I, I said it wrong last time because it's a Provincial Animal Welfare Services Act. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. And basically what that has a lot to do with cruelty to animals. Mm-hmm. So cruelty to animals, if, if we find someone working with you guys, we could charge them up to a million dollars. And that just came in like by Premier Ford like two, two years ago. And it's the strongest... Um, how would I say this, laws for animal care in North America. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about that? That uh, Do you find that uh, this deters people from, let's say, dog fighting or doing all these craziness to animals? Because cruelty to animals, to me, unacceptable. Agreed, hundred um, percent. Luckily, um, I don't. I don't believe we get a lot of calls about uh, dog fighting or anything like that. But um, we are the first point of contact with any sort of cruelty issues. So um, we we make the first point of contact with the owner. Um, if it needs to ever be escalated, we do involve uh, Peel Police or we involve the the Paws Agency. That, that's good because that to me that's unacceptable. And I know OPP is working really hard at that. And uh, my hat goes off to them. That's that's rewarding work. Exactly. What are the most dangerous kinds of calls for animal service officer? 
I, I don't think there's anything that's uh, more dangerous, like any type of call that's more dangerous, more dangerous than the other. I think um, any call that uh, we go to has an element of danger um, involved in it. Even like um, like the situational factors, like uh, an officer doing a rescue on the highway, like the 403, a very busy highway. Um, there's a lot of danger in that. Even um, routine, you get a lot of animals just running onto the highway. Um, we've had calls about like dogs running, getting onto the highway, or just running at large, and they somehow got onto the highway. Um, we get a lot of calls about deer on the highway um so that yeah so we do get calls like that um we even like routine calls can have that element of danger as well because you might go to a property with a dog that that's there that's very defensive or very territorial so even just trying to get to the front door might be uh, pose a danger to the officer that's responding to that call or addressing that call so i since you brought that up like i i guess some animals do get hit by cars or do get injured uh, what do animal control officers do in case of an uh, injured wildlife? So um, if we do get a call for injured wildlife, um, what the officer will do is um, it's, officers are always assessing for everything that's going on um, when they get to a, to a situation. So they'll see like if, if the rescue is even possible. Let's say if it's like a, um, like a swan in the middle of the lake, we, might, we don't have the resources to go address something like that. Um, but, um, but we'll contact uh, the appropriate agency that might. So, but like we're always um, addressing if we were able to make a capture of that um, compromised wildlife. Um, w- once we capture the uh, wildlife, we do assess it again to see if it is a good um, candidate for rehabilitation. If if it is a good candidate for rehabilitation, we do contact our um, wildlife rehab partners and then transport those animals to their to those um, those sites to get rehabilitated. And once they are rehabilitated, they are released within one kilometer where they are found um, under the in accordance with the uh, Fish and Wildlife Conservation Act. That's amazing. I know from policing, uh, we do get calls and we go with you for um, injured deer. Mm-hmm. That's just probably the toughest call. I don't. I, I'll explain it to the <laughs> audience when we see a deer who's have broken leg, yes. two broken legs, and it's we have to put it down, and that's mm-hmm. why we're called. Yep. And it's uh, a lot of officers have a difficulty in doing that mm-hmm. because they when they see such a defensive yep. animal, but it, it's is it the right way to going? Yeah. Do we um, have, is it putting, like, I think we do, but some people have different views on that. Um, it, it is the appropriate way of going. Um, uh, to end the uh, animal suffering, that is the best way of dealing with it. Unfortunately, it is very difficult to deal with an injured deer, especially the type of calls that uh, you respond and assist us with, with um, uh, like deer being impaled on fences, getting hit by cars. Though That does take a lot of... Um, a lot of resources try to deal with something like that, and it, it's very difficult uh, to manage a, a deer that's in distress that that would pose a danger to everybody involved. Um, so th- uh, that is the uh, the best course of action, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know my audience right now is waiting. <laughs> They're going, "Come on, Sergeant Cardi, ask this question," because <laughs> a lot of attention lately. Coyotes. Yes. <laughs> coyotes, coyotes, coyotes. If I see a coyote in my neighborhood. What do I do? Let's start with the basic one. <laughs> so yes, um, so uh, we do know that th- there have been uh, very uh, prominent or prevalent cases that are in the media right now, especially with the, uh, the situations in both Scarborough and Mississauga. But I, I just want to let people know that um, coyotes do po- um, pose a very little risk to people. Um, they are very they are prevalent in Mississauga, and they only weigh around maybe thirty to forty five pounds. And that's small. That's it. Like the similar to a. Um, to a medium-sized dog, okay. That that's it. So, um, uh, um, uh, everyone will tell us that they, they've seen a coyote that's 120 pounds, that, like a big, like the big size of like a German Shepherd. But in reality, they're just 
30 to 45 pounds. They just look a lot bigger than what they are. They, they just have a lot of fur. They have lanky legs. So that they just, they look a lot bigger than what they, what they really are. So in fact, the biggest coyote that we've actually picked up in Mississauga has only been 45 pounds. That's the biggest we that, ever had. That's the biggest one we've ever had. And, and anytime um, that we pick up a coyote, we always weigh it. And that's the biggest one we had. So, so yeah, so that, that's why, uh, like, I always deal with a lot of calls where people will say, this, this coyote was 200 pounds. It's bigger than my German Shepherd. No, un- 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 unfortunately, no, it's, uh, that's, that's not accurate. Um, because we do, have the, we do have the information about that. How... Like and, and what I was oh, sorry, and one one more thing. So um, when when you see when people do see coyotes in neighborhoods, I do recommend always um, contacting animal service to report the sighting, or even going online to our um, online interactive coyote map and reporting online. You have a coyote map? Yes, we do. It, it's a it's, coyote map. <laughs> yeah. So if I go online right now, I could pull up this coyote map. Exactly. Exactly, and you can report on a sighting online. Um, it help, like I always uh, recommend people to always use it or report any sightings because it does help uh, us allocate resources to those kind of concerns. So, like if we're getting a lot of um, calls on, let's say, um, financial drive, for getting um, like let's say like thirty calls the, the one day, well, that's going to make us look into it so that we can go uh, allocate uh, like patrols, uh, our outreach, just so we can try to determine what's going on and try to maybe see if the, if there is a, a situation where a coyote's frequenting a place, we want to stop that. Okay, so uh, like I've been hearing on the news, it's it's all of there. So how frequent are coyote attacks? Let's go with on other animals like pets or and humans. I, yeah. I, I need. What are the stats? Yes. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so a coyote. Um, any sort of coyote attack with a person remains v- very very low. The risk is very low. Um, we do our stats every year. Um, uh, like there was no. There's been no human conflicts this year, last year, and the year before, I believe. Um, uh, with Unfortunately, whenever there is a conflict with coyotes, it's usually between a dog and a coyote. And and the recurring themes on um, when whenever there isn't a conflict, it's usually because the dog is either off leash in a green space, or um, or unsupervised or unattended in a, and on somewhere on their owner's property. So and what we do tell our residents to do to try to av- try to lower the risk is just try to keep your dog on leash, and um, supervise your pet in close proximity anytime you're on your own property. So how many of these conflicts do we get with a coyote dog? Um, so uh, last year we had 13 conflicts, um, at the nine nine dogs, four cats. Um, but to put the danger into perspective, um, we had. 210 dog bite investigations. 210 dog bites? Exactly. And you have 13... Coyote conflicts, exactly. And 210 dog bites. Exactly. So what I would say is... Um, even though the dog bites are um, stats are still pretty low, you are more likely to get into a conflict with a a domestic dog than an actual coyote. I did not know that. Uh, But but obviously coyotes are there. And (laughs) so how would you... Like, let's say I'm walking my dog, and how would I protect my pet from a coyote? Okay, so you always got to be, I know it's rare, and I, I like that, but you know, I like to be prepared. Yeah, um, yeah so um, uh, we know coyotes are most active during the, uh, the low light hours of the day, so dusk and dawn times. So you might want to, like, arrange your patrols, so, I'm um, sorry, um, your, your walks, so you're not doing it at those times, trying to avoid big green spaces. Um, you want to keep your dog on leash at all times. Um, so if you do encounter a coyote, what you want to do is look as big as you can. Put your arms in the air, shout, yell, like scream. This. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and don't turn around and run. That's everyone's first instinct to do. But let's and say I run fast. 
<laughs> no, um, unfortunately, no. The, um, the, uh, the prey drive of the coyote might kick in, and so it might chase you. So okay. you're just promoting that type I of thing. I just want to tell you, it may not look <laughs> it, but I do run fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so you want to keep making a lot of noise, keep your focus on the coyote. And then once the coyote has moved on or you feel it's safe to do so, go about your way. Um, and, and also don't feed wildlife because that's unfortunately a big thing that's happening in Mississauga. Oh, I'll have to get I remember yeah. that one. Um, what do you do if you encounter a coyote? Okay, so you basically went over it, all that stuff. Mm. You basically stay calm. You wait till it goes away. You make yeah. yourself big. Keep your uh, your dog on a leash. You keep, I guess, cats indoors. Mm -hmm. And um, okay, that, that makes sense to me. How about when I'm on a walk with my dog or if other people, what dangers you have when you approach uh, an injured wildlife, like a, a goose or a... Or raccoon or something. Yeah, um, wildlife are unpredictable. So, you, and even uh, any sort of animal that you don't know are unpredictable. So you don't want to go and try to interact with any any sort of animal uh, like that. Even especially an injured animal where it might be very defensive. Um, so what we do tell residents to do is contact animal services. We have the um, resources and the training to go and uh, uh, um, deal with that type of situation. Um, even with domestic pets. Uh, so we, you want them to avoid it. Yeah, exactly. You want to avoid it. Exactly. If you don't know the animal, leave it alone. Because you don't want to put yeah, yourself in danger. Exactly. What do you do if it's if you're bitten or scratched by one of them? Because some people will. Some people will. Yeah, exactly. It, it does happen. So it does happen. So yeah. if I'm that guy and I get bitten or scratched by the... What, what is it? Um, go wash out the wound and then uh, go see go seek medical attention as soon as possible. It's possible that you might have to get a ra like a rabies shot from the from your medical providers. Um, we do like just to make everyone feel a little better. We do constant testing of the animals that we pick up in Mississauga. Uh, the Ministry of Natural Resources tests our um, cadavers that we pick up, and at this point in time, there's no cases of rabies in Mississauga. None, none in Mississauga. So I didn't have to give a whole speech about this rabies. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> so we're we're good right now. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, since I brought up raccoons mm. right there, yeah. injured raccoons, raccoons are everywhere. Um, mm. How do you deter raccoons or skunks from messing up my, my property or going under my deck mm. or under my shed? They're everywhere. Um, so what you want to do Which is... Which so cute. <laughs> no, exactly. Rocket raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, what you want to do is identify any sort of attractant. So wildlife are coming onto your property for, for a reason. Either there is something that's attracting them there, like food or shelter, or they're using it as a throughway to get to another property that has food and shelter. So you want to identify the attractant. So like um, removing anything that would be edible to that type of wildlife. Um, let's say it's a raccoon or skunk, they're both omnivores. You want to remove anything that they would eat. So um, unfortunately, open vegetable gardens are attractants for both, for wildlife including mice and rats even uh, hot peppers i grow a lot of hot peppers <laughs> yep sometimes okay <laughs> uh, so yeah so I, I know it's not popular but um if you want to avoid conflicts with wildlife you want to remove those attractants so open vegetable gardens uh fallen bird seed from a, a bird feeder you want to pick that up right away you want to have your compost in, in a good state of repair so it doesn't attract mice and rats or other wildlife to, to eat that um and picking ripened fruit or fruit that's fallen to the ground from a fruit bush or a fruit tree that's all you want to remove all that so you don't have an attractant for for wildlife um for like um 
uh, for skunks, they love making their homes under sheds and patios. You want to block off any sort of clearance under those type of things. So you, you don't have an area. Even foxes love making their, their dens under those type of things. So Do we so, have a lot of foxes in Mississauga? Um, we get a lot of calls from about foxes in Mississauga. Wow. I, I, you know what? I, I, just, just talking like that just reminds me of something. I remember just like three, four years ago, um, I had a call. I'm on the road. We have a call for a break and enter in progress at around 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, you wouldn't believe this. So what, what that means is someone's in their house sleeping. They wake up to the sound and they go, there's someone trying on my roof getting into my house. That is the most terrifying call. So what <laughs> I do as a sergeant, at the time I was acting, I wasn't a full-time sergeant. I'm bringing all my units there. I go, this is, this is a terrible crime. So I'm putting every resource I have. I'm calling TAC. I'm calling canine. I'm getting everywhere. We're surrounding the house. We get there, and he goes, I heard this person run on the roof away. So what I do, I leave one officer with him, and I have a whole team. I must know 13 of us going down this, this townhouse complex to figure out who is breaking in this house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Out of nowhere, I get a, I get a call on the radio. He's back. They're on, he's on my roof. <laughs> So I, you wouldn't believe this. I bring the tag team, the canine, everyone. We're all around this house because we got this guy now because there's no way out. There's no way out. All I do is I, we put this big flashlights we put on the roof, and it's three raccoons wrestling. Oh, my God. Three <laughs> raccoons wrestling on the roof. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what I said. Well, at least it wasn't a skunk. Because they could spray. Yeah. And, that, and that gets to me. That's a great question. Silver lining. <laughs> so let's say it is a skunk. Let's say you get sprayed by a skunk. Yeah. What do you do? That oh. must happen a lot. Oh, oh yes. Um, for, for me personally, um, I thought I, I feel like time heals all. <laughs> there hasn't been any um, sort of chemicals or anything that I thought that was been very effective in um, get, getting rid of that smell. I have actually have a pair of gloves from a from probably like four or five years ago that was that I used for dealing with a skunk and they still have that smell of skunk on it even after a million washes and different chemicals being used on it um but a co-worker has actually told me that coke has actually been very effective in dealing with the the smell of a skunk coke yeah even on like um like your like clothes or skin or even on dogs just pouring coke on them letting it soak in for a few minutes um has helped it like apparently it removes um the oils in the in the um, in the skunk uh, spray, so that it, 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 the material doesn't have that um, that smell on it anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. This I guess a week ago, I'm at um, I'm at uh, the supermarket. And I guess someone got sprayed because they came in to buy product, and <laughs> they're walking by, and I go, "Well, that person got smelled," <laughs> and I could tell they went right to the product where you get oh, the, yeah. <laughs> to get rid of the smell. That's kind of that's kind of funny. And then go to the tomato juice section. <laughs> yeah. oh, I just got my my exec producers the same something in my ear. They want to know if I arrested the raccoons. No, I did not arrest <laughs> the raccoons. They're out there somewhere, happy committing these break and enters. Hopefully not. Um, I noticed you we we touched on this, and I wanted to go more into it. Uh, and I, cause I think you said it a couple of times now um, about feeding animals, feeding the coyotes. I guess feeding deer, I guess feeding foxes, like you said. Um, what's, what, should members of the public feed these animals? Because I guess they're hungry or should they stay away? 
Um, so, uh, no, uh, um, even under our bylaw, it's cool. no at all. No, no at all. Don't feel, don't, don't, f- don't feed wildlife. Even if you feel guilty, they're looking at you with their puppy eyes. No, no exactly. Don't feed wildlife. Um, although we do have a, um, uh, um, an exemption under the bylaw where individuals are allowed to feed, um, uh, small songbirds with an adequate and good repair bird feeder. And as long as it's being picked up, um, the bird spilled, spilled bird seed is being picked up uh, right away. Um, do not feed any sort of other wildlife that is prohibited under our bylaw. What happens is when people start feeding um, wildlife, they become dependent on humans for food. And then um, they start losing that natural fear of humans, and then they might act aggressive with humans because they're not being fed. And unfortunately, that's when a lot of the conflicts do um, occur, especially with coyotes. Whenever um, whenever there has been a coyote conflict with a person, it's always been because of a food-conditioned coyote. Someone's been feeding it and feeding it, and then what will happen is um, the coyote will go to that same spot, but then it'll be somebody else walking in the street. Let's say it's a park. They're walking in the park. The coyote will see them. It'll start approaching them because they see an easy source of food. They don't see the person as food, but they see an easy source of food. So then once the people feed coyotes. Yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, we do get a lot of reports about people feeding coyotes, foxes, a lot of these predatory animals. And that's why we do get a lot of situations. And that's why you're seeing uh, um, a lot of uh, instances where you're seeing coyotes and foxes in our neighborhood, because a lot of it has to do with people actually feeding them. That's including geese and ducks and... Exactly, exactly. Um, Because coyotes eat whatever we eat. So even feeding like chipmunks, squirrels, uh, geese, um, the the coyotes would be attracted to the food that's being thrown to those animals, plus the animals themselves as prey. We even had that, uh, what's that on Lakeshore? What was that bird? Wild turkey. Oh, oh yes, Clark. Um, That's the name? Yes, that's the name they gave. Why do they call it Clark? Um, I believe because it's Clarkson Road, so they it was just a, a very prominent wild animal that was frequenting that area. So it's a big, big. I, I, I remember that. Yes, I, I know both um, both our organizations kept on getting calls for it, <laughs> just constant, constant calls. It was impeding a lot of it was impeding traffic and it was chasing a lot of people. And unfortunately, the the reason for its behavior was because people were feeding it. People were coming even from outside Mississauga to come feed this wild animal, and and unfortunately, it was it did get very food conditioned. Um, and that's why it started chasing people because they want, it wanted to get fed. And because of the feeding, unfortunately, it did lead to the passing of the, the animal because it did end up getting hit by a car. Oh, yes. I did not know so, that. So, it's, so yeah, it, like people feeding wildlife, it, it's actually more of a detriment to the community and the wildlife than it is an actual benefit to, to the community and the, and the wildlife. I want to change topics. I may be feeling bad <laughs> I, about I, the wild turkey. I Clark. Know. I know what we have to do for cruelty to animals. I know in, in Mississauga it's not as prevalent as in other areas, I guess because we're so built up. Um, what do you? What is Mississauga Animal Services? What actions do you take to, when you find out about a cruelty to animals reported? So um, we'll, we'll make the initial first contact. So we'll go to the to the area or the address or the place where the um, the concern is. We'll try to make contact with the individual. Um, if it's a lot of the times, it's not as um, as serious as it comes as the call comes in so so if it's something not as serious we can definitely go address it and stop that behavior or, or, or change the behavior or if nothing's happened um, um we can just speak to them and educate them about what's going on if it's something that requires um, um, um i guess an escalated response then we can contact peel police right. we contact the pause agents or um, pause inspectors yeah, those so laws are great for pause ex- exactly and that's that's uh, that's uh, that's why we're so happy to have th- have that kind of a resource plus the the resource in 
you guys and yeah. um, and the pause to to address these type of concerns. Yeah, Sylvia Jones and uh, Premier Ford, you got to thank them for that Provincial Animal Welfare Services mm-hmm. Act because uh, that that's going to be when people find out how severe these penalties are and even jail time. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it stops so we don't want to see any cruelty to animals. Um, let's go on the opposite side because uh, we've been talking all this negative stuff. <laughs> yeah. What is the most I would say gratifying type of call for for you guys, you, your officers. I think the most gratifying type of call is um, any any pretty much any call that we go on to, uh, that we attend has been very gratifying in rescuing any sort of wildlife, trying to get them the treatment that they need if they if they do need it, reuniting a dog owner with their with their um, with an owner, or even just um, the adoptions, uh, re- uh, giving a uh, a stray pet a, a forever home. Those are all gratifying. Every day is gratifying to us. Uh, we get to help the community. We get to help animals. And I can't see why any. Any, any other part of this job would be like um, um, we do see the both ends of the spectrum we do see really bad stuff we see really good stuff but then seeing all the people who give themselves give up everything for their animals or pets or or wildlife it, it's 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 really good to see uh, I, 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 that is rewarding <laughs> um, if I lose my pet or if I find someone's pet <laughs> obviously you guys get called please don't get called to that <laughs> you guys get called so what do, what do I do if I lose my pet um, um, so uh, even like before you lose your pet just get it licensed that that will help tremendously in trying to reunite your your family with your pet again. So um, if we if we pick up an animal that has a license, um, we have it in our data your information in our database. We just look at that. Is that and, expensive for me to get my pet um, license? N- not at all. It's anywhere from um, I believe it's twenty dollars. Um, nothing. To forty five dollars for an unaltered pet. Twenty dollars for an altered pet. So a spare neutered pet. Okay, so I, I interrupted you. Yeah. So <laughs> if you lose your pet, obviously yeah. you said get it licensed, mm-hmm. and that will help you find the pet. Exactly, and oftentimes, if, if it's if it's let's say if it's a first occurrence where your dog just um, you open the door, the, your dog runs out or your cat runs out, um, and then um, uh, someone finds it and then calls animal services. We pick up the animal, we look at the tag, we have your information. We oftentimes we can just drive it home right to you. It's a free ride home. Yeah. Access better than Uber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's, let's say I find a pet. Um, so um, contact animal services, um, and then uh, an officer will come and pick up the animal, try to um, look for a license tag on on it. If it doesn't have a license tag, we scan for a microchip um, to see who's owner um, associated with an owner. And then um, we take it back to the shelter, and then it will be on stray hold for, for the owner to come pick it up. So I guess the licensing pays for the shelters. Exactly. All the animal, uh, all the the, the financial um, input from the licenses does pay for all the animal-related issue uh, stuff at the at our shelter. Yeah, animal. <laughs> you look at animal shelters. Yeah. They're such a, a vital role in our community because when when you look at it, they they work to unite reunite pets with their owners when they're lost. The shelters find um, new homes for these animals, like use forever home. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> For these animals and and for the workers, is it thanks? I guess it's a thankless job. Like you have to find space for all these animals, find homes, find these animals have been hurt. You coordinate. I'm 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 assuming pet adoptions. Yeah. And you develop all these social media campaigns so some people could adopt these unwanted yep. pets, and a lot of them need homes. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, like Bob Barker, you got to spay and neuter to these <laughs> animals too. I guess you guys. There's so much animal shelter staff, staff and they, they, they work so hard. And I really, my hat goes off to them. 
and I know you guys always need money because it costs a lot of money to have all these pets in the shelter. How could someone donate to an animal shelter? Um, uh, w- what we can get, um, just donating like um, uh, like blankets, towels, um, even uh, old newspapers, like stacks and stacks in the old newspaper. It does help the animals animals at our shelter. It helps for rescues for our wildlife. Even donating, um, you can just contact the animals, um, our the animal services shelter, and donate five um, like um, monetary sums. Uh, that does go to our scarf, which is our our scarf fund, which is actually called the Specialized Care for Animals and Resources Fund. So the any sort of um, a monetary donation goes into helping animals in need. So let's say if there's if we pick up a dog that has um, like an eye issue, we can we can use those funds from that um, that um, that charity to uh, address that eye issue with uh, and pay for that surgery. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, um, most people. I may be wrong here. From my understanding, animal shelters most of it's volunteers. Um, uh, at this current time, because of COVID, we oh, don't yeah. have we don't have any volunteers. It's all it's all um, city staff. Okay, so yeah. let's say the future. I, I think this is such a good cause. Let's say a year from now, COVID's gone. Yay. <laughs> Standing ovation. Yeah. Uh, do you, would you accept volunteers? Uh, definitely, definitely. We're always um, uh, looking for volunteers. They can always go on to the, the City of Mississauga website and go to the Animal Services section and um, actually download um, the volunteer application to go and apply. And then I, you, I do believe you just send it to our, is it, it's mypet.info at mississauga.ca email account. And then um, we'll receive it, and then we can uh, look into getting some volunteers. It's, um, when I started policing 20-something years ago, I used to basically think that you guys were dog catchers. It, the, your job has involved where it's it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You have any... You guys are there for any sort of animal-related concerns, which is amazing. Um, I really enjoyed having you here today. I thought this was very educational for me. I learned a lot about don't feed animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do have a number here um, for animal cruelty. Cruelty to any animal is not tolerated in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I looked this up when uh, we were talking. If you think an animal is distressed or being abused, you can call Animal con- uh, Mississauga Animal Services. You can call us. But the provincial one, they're very good too. And I'll give you the number. It's 1-833-9-ANIMAL. So it's 1-833-9-264-625. Call them if you have any animal that's being is in distress or being abused or call us, obviously. Um, and also, for us, if any questions on this podcast, you can always send us um, an email at beyond911 at peelpolice.ca. And how about if they want to contact you guys? You have your website, obviously. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, if they want to contact the animal services, they can call 905-896-5858. Or they can visit our website. It's uh, mississauga.ca slash animal services. And if they want to be a animal contr- animal control officer they could do they go there to apply um yeah check out our, um the city of mississauga's employment page i believe we might be hiring um maybe at the uh, by the end of this year so ke- keep an eye out well i appreciate you coming <laughs> here educating my audience this is uh i love working with you guys it's a partnership we work together to keep uh the city the city safe <laughs> and having all these animals out there living with us is um not a bad thing it's a good thing and having you guys help me deal with a lot of calls i thank you so much no i thank you so much uh, um, for everything that you guys have done 
If anything sparks or inspires you, or if you have any questions about the topic today, or any other podcast that we had done previously, please email us at beyond911 at peelpolice.ca.